Hello, listeners, and welcome to Closing Time, the podcast that provides an inside look at the world of healthcare startups and venture capital. I'm Hallie Tecco. And I'm Michael Esquivel. Each episode, we get the privilege of meeting entrepreneurs at the forefront of healthcare innovation. You get to eavesdrop on pitches that are reshaping healthcare from founders daring to think differently. So pull up a chair and join us as we journey into the future of healthcare, one pitch at a time. Today, we have a special guest VC, Chrissy Farr, who is an investor at Omer's Ventures, a global early stage tech investor where she focuses on digital health. Before that, we got to know Chrissy as a health tech reporter and on-air contributor for CNBC, Fast Company, and Reuters. Welcome, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, today's founder is Dr. Florence Comate, a clinician, scientist, and innovator in the field of precision medicine. Her startup, Grok Health, is scaling her unique approach to personalized, actionable precision medicine as a digital application. Welcome, Dr. Kamate. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Why don't you start by giving us the background of your work and how you came to found Grok Health? I'll try to make it as brief as possible because <laughs> it started quite a long time ago. It actually started in utero because I have an identical twin sister. So when I began noticing that folks showed that they were on route to diabetes or heart disease or stroke, and they were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, I wondered why we didn't jump right in and understand how to stop it before people got sick, like proactive health, not just prevention, but proactive. And that started over 20 years ago at Yale when I started Women's Health at Yale, and I was involved in everything endocrine, whether it was reproductive endocrinology, fertility, women's health, men's health, children who have metabolic conditions. I recognized that genomics was just coming to the forefront and it wasn't dynamic. So we just knew about the proteins. We didn't know about switches or epigenetic. But being an identical twin, I knew that we were still different. Like I love fish, sushi, sashimi, and she doesn't touch it. She's an amazing gardener and I basically kill plants. And um, so there are a lot of differences between us, but also a lot of similarities. And I realized that the metabolic and hormonal milieu of our entire system was really what I thought I should focus on if I was going to help people own their own health destiny. They don't have to be their parents. You aren't your genes necessarily. And along that way, besides the twin thing and looking at numbers and making sense of connecting the dots across systems in the body, I also gave a journal club which ended up being a turning point in that I had an epiphany and I presented on papers in, in medicine and academia. You pick something you're interested or fascinated by and you present it and convince, you know, the three departments that I was part of, which was adult pediatric endocrine and reproductive endocrine fertility in men and women. And I said, why do we start falling apart in our 30s? Like, shouldn't we be able to keep our health? And we can see all that happening. And unfortunately, us, we women feel it first, largely because we have less, fewer hormones that begin to change. Just as we're getting used to PMS, perimenopause hits, and that's not fun. So it all came together with my wanting to prove that by recognizing what was going on at the cellular level, systematically throughout the entire body, from the brain to the body, 
to every aspect of our well-being, which I think of as a health story, that I could actually change people's destiny. And that's what happened at Comité Center. I was able to set it up. I grew it in New York over the last 20 years. And always at that time, the other huge change in our world is, was the internet. And I felt that if I did it right in bricks and mortar, I should bring it to everyone. Hence, Grok was born a few years ago. And because we've proven that the data exists scientifically, and it's, it's quite exciting. I would love to know how you made that transition from brick and mortar. And you mentioned the, the coming of the internet. So how, how did that kind of shift your focus? And then walk me through now the software elements that you're, that you're building. Okay, I'll start with, I always thought of uh, bricks and clicks. That was the pre-digital health, it was bricks and clicks. And I knew that I needed to substantiate the data because stories are great, but without the data, particularly from academics, nobody believes you. So I designed an approach prospectively since I knew that retrospectively I would want to publish it. And I knew that I was on my way to proving that we can reverse people's biological aging so they could have healthy longevity. To me, 120 may not be enough years. I'm looking at 150. A person's individuality across every front, the way they live life, their sleep, the food, their workouts if they do, even restorative practices like Qigong or meditation, yoga. And then look at the numbers which speak to the genetics of what's going on underneath it and the choices they make. So I basically think of myself, my core understanding before I brought it virtually was how we age and how do we age healthy to own it? Because in medicine, we're reactive, we're disease-centric and doctor-centric. We're not proactive. We're not about health because we just fix it if something breaks. We're not about a fishing expedition, which is what a lot of doctors call looking for additional data. Think of the self-quantifiers around you. Those are the folks that want to know everything about themselves to piece it together. That's what we do. But we do it on a complex level medicinally to say, yes, you are going to get Alzheimer's very likely, or you have osteoporosis today. And if you don't stop that in its tracks at 40, you're definitely going to be having, you're going to shrink, you're going to have a hip fracture and life won't be fun. 50% of those folks don't live for a year and they die and, and they become dependent on their family and themselves. That alone is like a $6 billion industry. So I took that data and I was getting ready to publish it just around COVID. And I submitted it to somebody who had expertise in AI. And it turns out that my clinical algorithms and recognition if this, then that, and if multiple factors, then this is what we see, was AI. It wasn't just my clinical algorithms. And I didn't know much about AI at that point. So we began to look at it and realize that in our database, we have generative AI. That is, when we describe what's going on in a person looking at their data and who they are, we know the outcomes, we know the path they're on, and we know interventions that we can stop that path. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can actually talk us through the the experience from downloading the app to becoming a client, including when, how, and how much you're paying along the way. So that's a great question right now for timing because we just started executing. We have two companies, Fortune 100, large, well-known professional service companies and high growth startups that are already using the app. And this just began in July. 
You download the app through an invite. You then put in a, a little bit of information. So I base it on all my work in the last 20 years on how I talk to leads because I'm obviously the rainmaker because this field was not understood. And there's no one really practicing what I think of as N of one medicine, where the core concept is each of us is unique. Like the three women, will leave Michael out of this, but the three of us on the phone have our unique paths and they predict where our future is going. So we can look at it that way. So you download this information and then you request a continuous glucose monitor, which I've been using in my clients for years since it first came into fruition. Once you download the invite and we order the CGM, you then get blood work. And for the moment, the blood work is being done at one of the three centers we have. So um, Comite is the service center for the medicine piece of it for Grok. Grok is the business that's a completely independency core that we've raised money for, whereas Comite is wholly owned by me. So Grok has an unfair advantage because it has real medicine behind it. And so once you download it, you answer a few questions. It takes about 15 minutes. You upload your insurance card because the blood test and the CGM can go through your insurance. And then you're, you get certain tests at the beginning, um, including the Grok app itself is going to only contain five to 10 biomarkers. And that's enough to see a lot of what's going on at the cellular level. But right now we wanna learn more about what a person is facing. So we're actually doing baseline testing of over a hundred biomarkers. And we can see micronutrients like Bs and Ds and others, also inflammation. But based on those initial five biomarkers plus an in-body where we look at body composition, we know where a person's standing is. We know their percent uh, muscle mass, their percent body fat, visceral fat. We can look at this data and predict what you're facing now and into the future. Whether you have insulin resistance, whether you are at risk because your testosterone's in the basement, which is an important variable for men and women. And so once they do all of that, they get insights and actionable interventions in the app itself, and they get the biomarkers so they can follow change over time. And that has become very useful. And even within the first quarter of use, some of our early Grok beta, because we started the beta back in February of 2022 and then launched at this point um, in July of 2023, have reversed their health in amazing ways. So I can see that it is completely possible to be virtual and detect the profiles and what is going on in a human being at the cellular level. And then the, the app takes it from there. You continue to get feedback. There's um, a section called My Grok Pearls, where even if you just fill in a little bit about your data or you're adopted, but you upload some data, we can tell you what's going on in your system. I find this so fascinating because I've I've long been interested in in the so-called quantified self trend. I've done it all. I've I've worn a CGM. I've tried every single wearable that exists. I'm like a human guinea pig with this stuff, and I think I've learned a lot, honestly. But you see this great debate in medicine where I have many clinicians in my friend network who say, you know, this data is not it's not useful data. If you if you do not have symptoms, why are you testing yourself? You see this come up now with all these new scans that people are doing where there are concerns that patients will run down these rabbit holes and think that they have all sorts of different diseases, you know, cancer and, and the rest. 
um, and they do not. And and that perhaps this this more data is not going to make them healthier, but less healthy. How do you come in on that debate? And and what are your thoughts on that? Is it just paternalistic, or is there something to it? There's a bit of paternalism, and there's also in medicine it's dogmatic. Above all, do no harm. Don't go on a fishing expedition. So I agree a little bit with the fact that interpreting it is challenging. In fact, two of the smartest advisors I have and investors were using the CGM, and they basically said it was a lot of fun, but um, I didn't really know what else to do with it. And I think that's one of the issues if you look at a siloed interpretation. You just get a piece of it. You don't really understand where it fits in your whole spectrum. There's a lot of folks who talk about longevity and have systems, and they're all famous, and we've shared clients sometimes like Peter Atia, who just announced his startup, Early Health, and David Sinclair, who has Tally. But they're not, they're looking at not, they're looking at aspects of what they apply to health and not what an individual, what you may be as an N of one. And understanding those numbers means we can stop symptoms from actually emerging and causing illness. Dr. Kamata, I mean, this is so inspiring. I mean, we hear, there's a lot of noise out there, unfortunately, in this space, right? There are a lot of of solutions. They seem to be used a really powerful word earlier, siloed. And so how do you, how do you cut through that noise? How do you convince the naysayer that, you know, this isn't just another hormone replacement therapy solution or another single sourced, I'm going to look at, I'll put CGM and give you metformin, like help, help the listener understand how to, what makes Grok different and why has this been, you know, with the longitudinal data you have, how has this been so successful? Love to hear a little bit more on that end. Yes, silo to me is the way medicine's practiced. So what I mean by silos is even in digital health, there's a ton of startups. In fact, when I started seeing uh, Human Longevity by Craig Venter and Health Nucleus, and you guys probably have heard of that startup, I see those patients because it was just a description. It wasn't active interventions that we could do. And and, And that was one of the best because at least they were taking in information about the whole system. Most of what you see comes in as we can tell you what supplements you need, or we can measure your genes and and tell you what gene variants you have. You should be working out this way, not that way. You should eat this, not that. Same as medicine. Because I think care and health is very mercurial and not understood because the way medicine has evolved as evidence-based, there are thousands of people that have to be in a trial, and the people that don't respond to interventions are buried in the side of the people that do. So it's what we call regression to the mean, meaning everybody's an average and it's a one-size-fits-all. It's not about looking at the individual characteristics, and that's where we're really different. On top of, that's the N of one, as I think of it, and um, that's the core concept, but also longitudinally looking at change. So the other differentiator is that we have data. We have data that will allow us now to generate AI independently. So we have to feed that machine. We actually, in Grok, I've brought in a private line of chat GPT, because when I, I love chat GPT, I love anything technical and AI, but they don't have our answers. And so we've been testing it and it's quite exciting. We can feed our information in now and we get 
answers instead of having to create original content. Our content is in there and now can be used. So we can say, here's a 45-year-old man who has less energy, has not been doing well um, in general, libido's down a little, um, and um, they're putting weight around the middle and a few other things. And we'll get it, the information is there for us, like the content. And we also have machine learning in Brock that I think is absent. I think other startups are on a tra on a track to get there, but they're beginning at square zero, where we're, as one, as the fractional CFO used to say, we're in the third lap of a four lap race, whereas everybody else is trying to catch up. It sounds like this is the future of primary care or like what primary care should be, because if you were able to, you know, support folks before problems arise, and I'm sure a lot of this is lifestyle modification, and then some of it is interventions. Um, it could be, you know, you're seeing your Grok PCP, essentially, and it's just a different approach to it. I'm curious, you're currently selling through employers or distributing through employers. What is the value prop to them? Are they saving money on care by prevention? What What is, exactly is their value prop? So I'm going to start with that last part of it. Well, all employers want their employees to be in peak shape because they run, get run down, they get sick. There's undergoing, I, I think the company is Verda who promises looking at diabetes care. Diabetes care. Mm -hmm. What we're really interested in is putting people at the top of their game so that they don't decline. They may be 30, 40s, even 20s. Uh, 50s, and they're managing a family or they're working really hard. They're burning the candle both ends. You can't keep doing that and not pay a price for it. So that's, I think, the initial thing. The really exciting yeah. part of it is our go-to-market starts with our uh, brand ambassadors. We have a lot of people who own companies. Comite is expensive. And so I think being able to share it in a as a B2B2C means that I believe it will pass organically to friends and family. And here's the great news. Immediately, the first, very first person we spoke to asked if her husband and daughter could also join Grok. So you're right about the primary care, but it's with precision. Would you say you're competitive forward? No, not at all. I think no. by okay. perception on the surface, but I've seen lots of people who go to forward and they, I'm jealous of them. Let me be clear. They have all the technology and they look exciting. But when I actually went to them, this was before I decided it would be primary care. So you're definitely um, prescient. When you look at the five key factors that we know is going to be imperative to grout, to grok, are going south. And the patterns are absolutely clear to us. And within weeks, we reverse that weight and we change people who already have muscle and, you know, have been watching what they do with their lifestyle. I always thought about health from the inside out, but I didn't think people would change that drastically. People change so much that it's commented on all the time. And it's not just weight, it's the way they look and feel and their energy level. And what they say is I'm back to being myself again. And that's the feeling you get 25 to 30 when you can be on top of your game and burn the candle at both ends and do whatever you want. That disappears. If either of you are over 30, you know that personally. 
And that's what we want to stop. Yeah. So, so yeah. coming, yeah. Definitely over. <laughs> they, although they both look like they're in their early twenties. Yeah, you both look but, amazing. But, uh, so, Doctor Comente, so coming back to the app for a second and, and engagement. I mean, another common trap I see with these digital health technologies is you sort of you you, you sort of get the solution and and the user patient doesn't see a need to continue to engage. And, uh, you know, after that initial prediction or diagnosis, as, as you're thinking about engagement, it, it sounds like it's dynamic. Uh, you're probably doing phlebotomy blood draws uh, fairly frequently. And so, you know, how do you ensure that engagement level, you know, is sustained? Uh, obviously, the interaction, the interventions and, 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 and recommendations you make are a big part of that, but curious to learn a little more on that end. So, this is going to sound biased because I am biased. I don't see medicine and health in the apps that are out there. I see a lot of servicing of different modalities. So in that way, particularly CGM companies, there's a limit with what they can share. This isn't common knowledge to doctors. So even if they have doctors who are doing telemeds or are part of the system, doctors aren't used to being proactive. They can give you, well, that meal is good, but this meal isn't. And there are a few companies out there that I think are excellent, but they only can go so far. But what we do is engage at every level. We're actually not doing frequent phlebotomies. It'll be once every six months. The reason for that, and we start a little deeper now because as we get more and more data, that data informs us and we can do less. So the go-to-market model will have the, the app available at a lower price point and also fewer engagement in terms, engagement, no, I'm sorry. Daily engagement is my dream with Grok Pearls, where we can give you some insights all the time because it, there's so much to learn. There's not one person that, and these, the people we're working with now come from, they, they can afford Comite if they choose. They choose not to. So I'm happy with it because they're, they're buying supplements. So that's our other revenue stream. I'll go back to something you said, Hallie, but we have five major categories of interventions. It starts with lifestyle and habits. Sleep is number one. Food is number two. Exercise and restorative practices like meditation is three. Stress, anxiety, and um, is four and five. And uh, those characteristics are fine, but a lot of people are doing it all perfectly and their health will decline. It's a guarantee, just like aging and taxes. And so one of the free things I threw in there that we're paying for is a, is the uh, true age. So we're doing age um, dynamics to look at methylated DNA, because I published in that with COVID, and we're, we do it in everyone. And so I decided it would be great to collect that data prospectively on everybody who goes through Grok to show what we're, what we're able to do. Earlier, we were saying, you know, the reversion to the mean and is more data better um, and really thinking about medicine as N of one. How do you actually scale that, though? You've said this is expensive. I'm curious exactly how much it is. But then how do you envision this being something that can serve the populations that probably need it the most, those that have lower life life expectancies and are dying earlier from chronic diseases? How do we make sure that they're not left out from this all this amazing product? I believe as we go forward, the costs will decline because there'll be less need for clinical support because it'll all be generative AI. 
And I'll, I'll start with that, but I'll go back to the fact that I've always thought of what we're going to deliver in Grok virtually will be mass customization. Because 99.6% of our genome, even if you're not an identical twin, among all of us is identical. And it's the way it's expressed in what we do. And so by simply sharing the information, if this app at, at some point will come down to $20 a month, which won't service the disenfranchised or folks who might not afford, you know, even a dollar a month, will make a difference because it will be able to deliver services where that human being is. And so to me, yes, there will be a scale of cost. There will be people who want to opt in at a higher level and people who won't be able to afford it, but want some guidance and help. Will we get to the complete underserved population, I'd love to think we will. But I can't say that right now because there's a cost to development and it's quite expensive. And, you know, I put more than 20 years into it already to what to get where I think is a viable product. But I believe the answers are right in front of me now. And I believe that every single person that's already entered in Grok I have the data and the statistics to show you. We reveal what's going on, and we've already seen results. In Grok, in Comite, we're looking at results that range from over 70% to 99%. We don't say 100% in medicine, but literally when I say 99%, it means everyone has had a response. And I, I'm an academician, so I'm always afraid of overstating outcomes because I believe in significance, but significance at the risk-benefit level of each human being. I don't think we share enough because I think medicine is so complex. It's hard enough for doctors to keep up with chronic disease, which is a $4 trillion industry. If we can make a dent in it, my feeling is that we can wipe out chronic disease this century because we can detect it decades before somebody's sick. You don't just wake up one day with a heart attack or diabetes or a stroke. It's been brewing under the surface for 20 years or even longer. Same thing is true of cancer, Alzheimer's. So we have the goods and the foundation to be able to bring that to everybody. I can't, I'm not the business person in a way, although I did grow Comite completely alone. And I raised money from wonderful people who strategically are helping me. But I do see this area of healthy longevity spreading like wildfire, people making promises, maybe over-promising and under-delivering, because it's really about the data you can pull in first to be able to help afterwards. And I think if we become contagious and addictive, words you don't want to hear in medicine, <laughs> then it will spread like wildfire. And I believe we'll find a way yeah, to service everybody. Florence, thank you so much for sharing your vision today. And we wish you the best of luck. And Chrissy, thank you for being here as well. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Kamate. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you for taking time to join us today. It was quite uh, inspirational and insightful. And that's closing time for today. A huge thanks to our partners at Fenwick for underwriting this show. Recording, editing, and audio mixing by Kyle Moore. Thanks to our guests, and to you, our listeners, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And check out our website, closingtimepodcast.com, for more exclusive content. Until next time, this is Hallie Tecco and Michael Esquivel for Closing Time. 